0: Section 20 of Report on the Investigation into Russian Interference in the 2016 Presidential Election. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Fournier, Marshall, Virginia. Report on the Investigation into Russian Interference in the 2016 Presidential Election by Robert Mueller. Section 20. Legal Defenses to the Application of Obstruction of Justice Statutes to the President The President's personal counsel has written to this office to advance statutory and constitutional defenses to the potential application of the obstruction of justice statutes to the President's conduct. As a statutory matter, the President's counsel has argued that a core obstruction of justice statute Title 18, United States Code, section 1512, subsection C2 does not cover the president's actions. As a constitutional matter, the president's counsel argued that the president cannot obstruct justice by exercising his constitutional authority to close department of justice investigations or terminate the FBI director. Under that view, Any statute that restricts the president's exercise of those powers would impermissibly intrude on the president's constitutional role. The president's counsel has conceded that the president may be subject to criminal laws that do not directly involve exercises of his Article II authority, such as laws prohibiting bribing witnesses or suborning perjury. But Council has made a categorical argument that the President's exercise of his constitutional authority here to terminate an FBI director and to close investigations cannot constitutionally constitute obstruction of justice. In analyzing Council's statutory arguments, we concluded that the President's proposed interpretation of Section 1512c2 is contrary to the litigating position of the Department of Justice and is not supported by principles of statutory construction. As for the constitutional arguments, we recognized that the Department of Justice and the courts have not definitively resolved these constitutional issues. We therefore analyzed the President's position through the framework of Supreme Court precedent addressing the separation of powers. Under that framework, we concluded, Article Two of the Constitution does not categorically and permanently immunize the President from potential liability for the conduct that we investigated. Rather, our analysis led us to conclude that the obstruction of justice statutes can validly prohibit a President's corrupt efforts to use his official powers to curtail, end, or interfere with an investigation. A. Statutory defenses to the application of obstruction of justice provisions to the conduct under investigation. The Obstruction of Justice Statute most readily applicable to our investigation is 18 USC 1512C2. Section 1512C provides C. Whoever corruptly 1 alters, destroys, mutilates, or conceals a record, document, or other object, or attempts to do so, with the intent to impair the object's integrity or availability for use in an official proceeding, or 2. Otherwise obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding, or attempts to do so, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned, not more than 20 years, or both. The Department of Justice has taken the position that Section 1512C2 states a broad, independent, and unqualified prohibition on obstruction of justice. While defendants have argued that subsection C2 should be read to cover only acts that would impair the availability or integrity of evidence, because that is subsection C1's focus strong arguments weigh against that proposed limitation the text of section 1512C2 confirms that its sweep is not tethered to section 1512C1 courts have so interpreted it its history does not counsel otherwise and no principle of statutory construction dictates a contrary view on its face therefore Section 1512C2 applies to all corrupt means of obstructing a proceeding pending or contemplated including by improper exercises of official power in addition other statutory provisions that are potentially applicable to certain conduct we investigated broadly prohibit obstruction of proceedings that are pending before courts grand juries and congress C. 18 U.S.C. Sections 1503 and 1505. Congress has also specifically prohibited witness tampering. C. 18 U.S. Code, Section 1512b. 1. The text of Section 1512c2 prohibits a broad range of obstructive acts. Several textual features of Section 1512c2 support the conclusion that the provision broadly prohibits corrupt means of obstructing justice and is not limited by the more specific prohibitions in Section 1512c1, which focus on evidence impairment. First, the text of Section 1512c2 is unqualified. It reaches acts that, quote, obstruct, influence, or impede any official proceeding, end quote. When committed, quote, corruptly, end quote. Nothing in Section 1512c2's text limits the provision to acts that would impair the integrity or availability of evidence for use in an official proceeding. In contrast, Section 1512c1 explicitly includes the requirement that the defendant act with the intent to impair the object's integrity or availability for use in an official proceeding, a requirement that Congress also included in two other sections of Section 1512. See 18 U.S. Code Sections 1512A2B2, Use of Physical Force with Intent to Cause a Person to Destroy an Object, with intent to impair the integrity or availability of the object for use in an official proceeding. 1512 b2b, use of intimidation, threats, corrupt persuasion, or misleading conduct with intent to cause a person to destroy an object with intent to impair the integrity or availability of the object for use in an official proceeding. But no comparable intent or conduct element focused on evidence impairment appears in Section 1512C2. The intent element in Section 1512C2 comes from the word corruptly. C.E.G. United States v. McGibbons, 656, f third seven 707, at 711, 7th Circuit, 2011. The intent element is important because the word corruptly is what serves to separate criminal and innocent acts of obstruction. And the conduct element in section 1512c2 is obstructing, influencing, or impeding a proceeding. Congress is presumed to have acted intentionally in the disparate inclusion and exclusion of evidence impairment language. See Logren v. United States, 573 U.S. 351 at 358, 2014. When Congress includes particular language in one section of a statute but omits it in another, let alone in the very next provision, this court presumes that Congress intended a difference in meaning. Quoting Russellow v. United States, 464 U.S. 16 at 23, 1983. Accord Digital Reality Trust, Inc. v. Summers, 138 Supreme Court, 767 at 777, 2018. Second, the structure of section 1512 supports the conclusion that section 1512c2 defines an independent offense section 1512c2 delineates a complete crime with different elements from section 1512c1 and each subsection of section 1512c contains its own attempt prohibition underscoring that they are independent prohibitions The two subsections of Section fifteen twelve c are connected by the conjunction or, indicating that each provides an alternative basis for criminal liability. See Logren five seventy three U S at three fifty seven. Ordinary use of or is almost always disjunctive; that is, the words it connects are to be given separate meanings. In Logren, for example. The Supreme Court relied on the use of the word or to hold that adjacent and overlapping subsections of the bank fraud statute, 18 U.S.C. section 1344, state distinct offenses, and that subsection 13442, therefore, should not be interpreted to contain an additional element specified only in subsection 1344-1, id. See also Shaw v. United States, 137, Supreme Court, 462, at 465 through 469, 2016, recognizing that the subsections of the bank fraud statute overlap substantially, but identifying distinct circumstances covered by each. And here, as in Logren, Section 1512c's two clauses have separate numbers— Line breaks before, between, and after them, and equivalent indentation, thus placing the clauses visually on an equal footing and indicating that they have separate meanings. 573 U.S. at 359. Third, the introductory word otherwise in section 1512 C2. Signals that the provision covers obstructive acts that are different from those listed in Section 1512C1. See Black's Law Dictionary, 1101, 6th edition, 1990. Otherwise means in a different manner, in another way, or in other ways. See also, e.g., American Heritage College Dictionary Online. 1. In another way. Differently. 2. Under other circumstances. See also Gooch v. United States, 297 U.S. 124 at 128, 1936, characterizing otherwise as a broad term and holding that a statutory prohibition on kidnapping, for ransom or reward or otherwise, is not limited by the words ransom and reward to kidnappings for pecuniary benefits. Colossus v. United States, 368 F. Third, 190 at 200, Second Circuit, 2004. Construing otherwise in 28 U.S. Code, Section 2466 1C to reach beyond the specific examples listed in prior subsections thereby covering the myriad means that human ingenuity might devise to permit a person to avoid the jurisdiction of a court. C.F. Begay v. United States, 553 U.S. 137 at 144, 2006, recognizing that otherwise is defined to mean in a different way or manner, and holding that the word otherwise is, Introducing the residual clause in the Armed Career Criminal Act, 18 U.S. Code, Section 924, E2B2, can, but need not necessarily, refer to a crime that is similar to the listed examples in some respects, but different in others. The purpose of the word otherwise, in Section 1512C2, is therefore to clarify that the provision covers obstructive acts other than the destruction of physical evidence with the intent to impair its integrity or availability which is the conduct addressed in section 1512c1 the word otherwise does not signal that section 1512c2 has less breadth in covering obstructive conduct than the language of the provision implies 2. Judicial Decisions Support a Broad Reading of Section 1512C2 Courts have not limited Section 1512C2 to conduct that impairs evidence, but instead have read it to cover obstructive acts in any form. As one court explained, this expansive subsection operates as a catch-all to cover Otherwise, obstructive behavior that might not constitute a more specific offense like document destruction, which is listed in C1. United States v. Volpodesto, 746 F. 3rd, 273 at 286, Seventh Circuit, 2014. For example, in United States v. Ring, 628 F. sub 2nd, 195, District Court for the District of Columbia, 2009. The Court rejected the argument that Section 1512C2's reference to conduct that otherwise obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding is limited to conduct that is similar to the type of conduct prescribed by subsection C1, namely conduct that impairs the integrity or availability of records, documents, or other objects for use in an official proceeding, id at 224. The court explained that the meaning of Section 1512c2 is plain on its face, id. And courts have upheld convictions under Section 1512c2 that did not involve evidence impairment, but instead resulted from conduct that more broadly thwarted arrests or investigations. see e g United States v. Martinez, 862 F 3rd, 223 at 238, Second Circuit 2017. Police officers tipped off suspects about issuance of arrest warrants before outstanding warrants could be executed, thereby potentially interfering with an ongoing grand jury proceeding. United States v. Ahrensfield, 698 F 3rd, 1310, at 1324 through 1326. 10th Circuit, 2012. Officer disclosed existence of an undercover investigation to its target. United States v. Phillips. 583 F. 3rd 1261 at 1265. 10th Circuit, 2009. Defendant disclosed identity of an undercover officer, thus preventing him from making controlled purchases from methamphetamine dealers. These cases illustrate that Section 1512C2 applies to corrupt acts, including by public officials, that frustrate the commencement or conduct of a proceeding, and not just to acts that make evidence unavailable or impair its integrity. Section 1512C2's breadth is reinforced by the similarity of its language to the Omnibus Clause of 18 U.S. Code, Section 1503. Which covers anyone who corruptly obstructs or impedes or endeavors to influence, obstruct, or impede the due administration of justice. That clause of section fifteen oh three follows two more specific clauses that protect jurors, judges, and court officers. The omnibus clause has nevertheless been construed to be far more general in scope than the earlier clauses of the statute. United States versus Aguilar. 515 U.S. 593, at 599, 1995. The Omnibus Clause is essentially a catch-all provision, which generally prohibits conduct that interferes with the due administration of justice. United States v. Brenson 104 F. 3rd, 1267, at 1275, 11th Circuit, 1997. Courts have accordingly given it a non-restrictive reading— United States v. Kumar, 617, F3rd, 612, at six twenty Second Circuit, 2010, id at 620, note 7, Collecting Cases from the 3rd, 4th, 6th, 7th, and 11th Circuits. As one court has explained, the Omnibus Clause prohibits acts that are similar in result rather than manner to the conduct described in the first part of the statute. United States v. Howard, 569 F. Second, 1331 at 1333, Fifth Circuit, 1978. While the specific clauses forbid certain means of obstructing justice, the omnibus clause aims at obstruction of justice itself, regardless of the means used to reach that result. Id. Collecting Cases. Given the similarity of Section 1512c2 to Section 1503's omnibus clause, Congress would have expected Section 1512c2 to cover acts that produced a similar result to the evidence impairment provisions, i.e. the result of obstructing justice, rather than covering only acts that were similar in manner. Read this way, Section 1512c2 serves a distinct function in the federal obstruction of justice statutes. It captures corrupt conduct, other than document destruction, that has the natural tendency to obstruct contemplated as well as pending proceedings. Section 1512c2 overlaps with other obstruction statutes, but it does not render them superfluous. Section 1503, for example, which covers pending grand jury and judicial proceedings, and Section fifteen o five, which covers pending administrative and congressional proceedings, reach endeavors to influence, obstruct, or impede the proceedings. A broader test for inchoate violations than Section fifteen twelve c 2s attempt standard, which requires a substantial step towards a completed offense. See United States versus Sampson. 898 F. 3rd, 287, at 302, Second Circuit, 2018. Efforts to witness tamper that rise to the level of an endeavor, yet fall short of an attempt, cannot be prosecuted under Section 1512. United States v. Leisure, 844 F. 2nd, 1347, at 1366 through 1367, Eighth Circuit, 1988 collecting cases recognizing the difference between the Endeavor and Attempt standards. And 18 U.S. Code, Section 1519, which prohibits destruction of documents or records in contemplation of an investigation or proceeding, does not require the nexus showing under Aguilar, which Section 1512C2 demands. C.E.G. United States v. Yielding. 657 F. Third, 688, at 712, Eighth Circuit, 2011. The requisite knowledge and intent, under Section 1519, can be present even if the accused lacks knowledge that he is likely to succeed in obstructing the matter. United States v. Gray, 642 F. Third, 371, at 376 through 377, Second Circuit, 2011. In enacting Section 1519, Congress rejected any requirement that the government prove a link between a defendant's conduct and an imminent or pending official proceeding. The existence of even substantial overlap is not uncommon in criminal statutes. Logren, 573 U.S. at 359, Note 4 C. Shaw, 137 Supreme Court At 458 through 469. Aguilar, 515 U.S. At 616. Justice Scalia dissenting. The fact that there is now some overlap between Section 1503 and Section 1512 is no more intolerable than the fact that there is some overlap between the Omnibus Clause of Section 1503 and the other provisions of 1503 itself. But given that Sections 1503, 1505, and 1519 each reach conduct that Section 1512C2 does not, the overlap provides no reason to give Section 1512C2 an artificially limited construction. C. Shaw, 137 Supreme Court, at 469. 3. The legislative history of Section 1512C2 does not justify narrowing its text. Given the straightforward statutory command in Section 1512C2, there is no reason to resort to legislative history. United States v. Gonzales, 520 U.S. 1, at 6, 1997 In any event... The legislative history of Section 1512C2 is not a reason to impose extra-textual limitations on its reach. Congress enacted Section 1512C2 as part of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002, Public Law number 107-204, Title IX, Section 1102, Volume 116, U.S. Statutes at Large, page 807. The relevant section of the statute was entitled, Tampering with a Record or Otherwise Impeding an Official Proceeding, 116 Stat. 807, Emphasis Added. That title indicates that Congress intended the two clauses to have independent effect. Section 1512c was added as a floor amendment in the Senate and explained as closing a certain loophole with respect to document shredding. See 148, Congressional Record, S-6545, July 10, 2002, Senator Lott. id at S-6549-S-6550, Senator Hatch. But those explanations do not limit the enacted text. See Pittston Coal Group v. Seabon, 488 U.S. 105 at 115, 1988. It is not the law that a statute can have no effects which are not explicitly mentioned in its legislative history. See also Encino Motor Cars, LLC v. Navarro, 138 Supreme Court 1134 at 1143, 2018. Even if Congress did not foresee all the applications of the statute, that is no reason not to give the statutory text a fair reading. The floor statements thus cannot detract from the meaning of the enacted text. See Barnhart v. Sigmund Coal Company, 534 U.S. 438 at 457, 2002. Floor statements from two senators cannot amend the clear and unambiguous language of a statute. We see no reason to give greater weight to the views of two Senators than to the collective votes of both Houses, which are memorialized in the unambiguous statutory text. That principle has particular force where one of the proponents of the amendment to Section 1512 introduced his remarks as only briefly elaborating on some of the specific provisions contained in this bill. 148 Congressional Record S. 6550, Senator Hatch. Indeed, the language Congress used in Section 1512C2, prohibiting, corruptly obstructing, influencing, or impeding any official proceeding, or attempting to do so, parallels a provision that Congress considered years earlier in a bill designed to strengthen protections against witness tampering and obstruction of justice. While the earlier provision is not a direct antecedent of Section 1512c2, Congress's understanding of the broad scope of the earlier provision is instructive. Recognizing that the proper administration of justice may be impeded or thwarted by a variety of corrupt methods limited only by the imagination of the criminally inclined, Senate Report No. 532, 97th Congress, Second Session, 17 through 18, 1982. Congress considered a bill that would have amended Section 1512 by making it a crime inter alia when a person corruptly influences, obstructs, or impedes the enforcement and prosecution of federal law, administration of a law under which an official proceeding is being or may be conducted, or the exercise of a federal legislative power of inquiry. ID at seventeen through nineteen, quoting S twenty four twenty. The Senate Committee explained that the purpose of preventing an obstruction of or miscarriage of justice cannot be fully carried out by a simple enumeration of the commonly prosecuted obstruction offenses. There must also be protection against the rare type of conduct that is the product of the inventive criminal mind and which also thwarts justice. Id at 18. The report gave examples of conduct actually prosecuted under the current residual clause in 18 U.S. Code, Section 1503, which would probably not be covered in this series of provisions without a residual clause. Id. One prominent example was a conspiracy to cover up the Watergate burglary and its aftermath by having the Central Intelligence Agency seek to interfere with an ongoing FBI investigation of the burglary. ID. Citing United States v. Haldeman, 559 F2nd 31, D.C. Circuit, 1976. The report therefore indicates a congressional awareness, not only that residual clause language resembling Section 1512c2 broadly covers a wide variety of obstructive conduct, but also that such language reaches the improper use of governmental processes to obstruct justice, specifically the Watergate cover-up orchestrated by White House officials, including the President himself. C. Haldeman, 559 F. 3rd at 51, 86 through 87, 120 through 129, and 162. 4. General principles of statutory construction do not suggest that Section 1512 C. 2 is inapplicable to the conduct in this investigation. The requirement of fair warning in criminal law the interest in avoiding due process concerns in potentially vague statutes, and the rule of lenity do not justify narrowing the reach of Section 1512c2's text. a. As with other criminal laws, the Supreme Court has exercised restraint in interpreting obstruction of justice provisions, both out of respect for Congress's role in defining crimes and and in the interest of providing individuals with fair warning of what a criminal statute prohibits. Marinello v. United States, 138 Supreme Court 1101 at 1106, 2018 Arthur Anderson, 544 U.S. at 703 Aguilar, 515 U.S. at 599-602 In several obstruction cases, The court has imposed a nexus test that requires that the wrongful conduct targeted by the provision be sufficiently connected to an official proceeding to ensure the requisite culpability. Marinello, 138 Supreme Court at 1109. Arthur Anderson, 544 U.S. at 707 through 708. Aguilar, 515 U.S. at 600 through 602. Section 1512C2 has been interpreted to require a similar nexus. See, for example, United States v. Young, 916 F third three hundred sixty-eight at three hundred eighty-six, fourth circuit twenty nineteen, United States v. Patruc seven hundred eighty-one F third five thirty-eight at four hundred forty-five, Eighth Circuit 2015, United States v. Phillips, 583 F. 3rd, 1261 at 1264, 10th Circuit, 2009, United States v. Reich, 479 F. 3rd, 179 at one eighty-six, Second Circuit, 2007. To satisfy the nexus requirement, the government must show as an objective matter that a defendant acted in a manner that is likely to obstruct justice such that the statute excludes defendants who have an evil purpose but use means that would only unnaturally and improbably be successful. Aguilar, 515 U.S. at 601 through 602. C. Id at 599. The endeavor must have the natural and probable effect of interfering with the due administration of justice. The government must also show, as a subjective matter, that the actor contemplated a particular foreseeable proceeding. Patruc 781, F3rd, at 445. Those requirements alleviate fair warning concerns by ensuring that obstructive conduct has a close enough connection to existing or future proceedings to implicate the dangers targeted by the obstruction laws and that the individual actually has the obstructive result in mind. b. Courts also seek to construe statutes to avoid due process vagueness concerns. c. For example, McDonald v. United States, 136 Supreme Court 2355 at 2373, 2016. Skilling v. United States, 561 U.S. 358 at 368 also 402 through 404, 2010. Vagueness doctrine requires that a statute define a crime with sufficient definiteness that ordinary people can understand what conduct is prohibited, and in a manner that does not encourage arbitrary and discriminatory enforcement. Id at 402 through 403. The obstruction statute's requirement of acting corruptly satisfies that test. Acting corruptly within the meaning of Section 1512C2 means acting with an improper purpose and to engage in conduct knowingly and dishonestly with the specific intent to subvert, impede, or obstruct the relevant proceeding. United States v. Gordon, 710 F. 3rd 1124 at 1151, Tenth Circuit, 2013. The majority opinion in Aguilar did not address the defendant's vagueness challenge to the word corruptly. 515 U.S. at 600, note 1. But Justice Scalia's separate opinion did reach that issue and would have rejected the challenge. Id at 616 through 617. Justice Scalia, joined by Justices Kennedy and Thomas, concurring in part and dissenting in part. Statutory language need not be colloquial, Justice Scalia explained, and the term corruptly, in criminal laws, has a long-standing and well-accepted meaning. It denotes an act done with an intent to give some advantage inconsistent with official duty and the rights of others. Id at 616. Internal quotation marks omitted, citing lower court authority and legal dictionaries. Justice Scalia added that, in the context of obstructing jury proceedings, any claim of ignorance of wrongdoing is incredible. Id at 617. Lower courts have also rejected vagueness challenges to the word corruptly. See, for example, United States v. Edwards, 869 f third 490, at 501 through 502, 7th Circuit 2017. United States v. Brenson, 104 F3 1267, at 1280 through 1281, 11th Circuit 1997. United States v. Howard, 569 f 2nd 1331, at 1336, Note 9, 5th Circuit 1978. This well-established intent standard precludes the need to limit the obstruction statutes to only certain kinds of inherently wrongful conduct. c. Finally, the rule of lenity does not justify treating Section 1512c2 as a prohibition on evidence impairment, as opposed to an omnibus clause. The rule of lenity is an interpretive principle that resolves ambiguity in criminal laws in favor of the less severe construction. Cleveland v. United States, 531 U.S. 12, at 25, 2000. As the Court has repeatedly emphasized, however, the rule of lenity applies only if, after considering text, structure, history, and purpose, there remains a grievous ambiguity or uncertainty in the statute such that the Court must simply guess as to what Congress intended. Abramsky v. United States, 573, U.S. 169, at 188, note 10, 2014. The rule has been cited, for example, in adopting a narrow meaning of tangible object. In an obstruction statute, when the prohibition's title, history, and list of prohibited acts is Indicated a focus on destruction of records. See Yates v. United States, 135, Supreme Court 1074 at 1088, 2015, plurality opinion, interpreting tangible object in the phrase record, document, or tangible object in 18 U.S. Code, Section 1519, to mean an item capable of recording or preserving information. Here, as discussed above, The text, structure, and history of Section 1512C2 leaves no grievous ambiguity about the statute's meaning. Section 1512C2 defines a structurally independent general prohibition on obstruction of official proceedings. 5. Other obstruction statutes might apply to the conduct in this investigation. Regardless whether Section 1512C2 covers all corrupt acts that obstruct, influence, or impede pending or contemplated proceedings, other statutes would apply to such conduct in pending proceedings, provided that the remaining statutory elements are satisfied. As discussed above, the Omnibus Clause in 18 U.S. Code, Section 1503A, applies generally to obstruction of pending judicial and grand proceedings— See Aguilar, 515 U.S. at 598, noting that the clause is far more general in scope than preceding provisions. Section 1503A's protections extend to witness tampering and to other obstructive conduct that has a nexus to pending proceedings. See Sampson, 898 F. 3rd at 298 through 303, and note 6 collecting cases from eight circuits holding that Section 1503 covers witness-related obstructive conduct and cabining prior circuit authority. And Section 1505 broadly criminalizes obstructive conduct aimed at pending agency and congressional proceedings. See, for example, United States v. Rainey, 757 F3 234 at 241-247, through 247, Fifth Circuit, 2014. Finally, 18 U.S. Code Section 1512B3 criminalizes tampering with witnesses to prevent the communication of information about a crime to law enforcement. The Nexus Inquiry articulated in Aguilar that an individual has knowledge that his actions are likely to affect the judicial proceeding, 515 U.S. at 599, does not apply to Section 1512 B. 3. See United States v. Byrne, 435 F. 3rd, 16, at 24 through 25, First Circuit, 2006. The Nexus Inquiry turns instead on the actor's intent to prevent communications to a federal law enforcement official. See Fowler v. United States, 563 U.S. 668 at 673 through 678, 2011. In sum, in light of the breadth of Section 1512c2 and the other obstruction statutes, an argument that the conduct at issue in this investigation falls outside the scope of the obstruction laws lacks merit. End of Section 20